0: Fresh manna fell to the ground as a gift from God while the Israelites were in the wilderness. This is what they ate for 40 years. It was fresh from the ovens of heaven, baked by the master baker himself. How the Israelites must have anticipated the taste and the smell of each morning's delivery. Just like the Israelites, you too can now experience the taste and smell of fresh manna. Today, you will be listening to Phil Mills, pastor of Lansing Seventh-day Adventist Church. And now, here's Pastor Phil.
1: Happy Sabbath, church. It's a joy to be in a church family this morning. What do you say? Jesus is coming soon. And if there is ever a time that we as a church must be about the business that God has called us to do, church, it's now. We have a message to take to the world. We have a city that is needing the Gospel. And what's interesting to me is that God is waiting for a people who will so show the love of God to the community that they are in that people are brought to a decision to accept the love and truth of God or not. That is what brings about the final demonstration and the final event it's not some magical or important event that happens higher up. Church, the second coming of Christ begins here with us accepting the grace of Jesus into our lives and sharing that grace with others. I want Jesus to come soon. How about you? Well, our study today comes out of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. If you have your Bibles, would you turn there with me? We've been going through a series of sermons for a number of months now through the Ten Commandments, and we've made our way through the first four and we saw how important it is God wants nothing between us and Him. He is intimately passionate about a relationship between us and Him. We saw that He doesn't want anything else ahead of Him. He doesn't want anything desired over Him. He's carved out, created 24 hours every 7 days that He has fashioned a palace in time just to spend time with his people. That's what we're doing today. We've been working through the last six. We saw that God cares about how we respect the authorities in our lives. He also cares about how we interact with those around us. Thou shalt not murder. And we saw that murder is more than just an action. It starts in the heart and we need Jesus to change our hearts and our lives. We looked at thou shalt not commit adultery and we saw the importance of making sure That we guard the avenues of our eyes, and especially as men, that we are careful what we look at and what we contemplate, and that we allow God to protect us in that. Today, we're going to spend our time on verse
2: 15. Four words carry significance. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father in heaven, We bow before you this morning. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be worthy to be here. Because of Jesus, we can come.
1: We can bow before you. We ask that right now you will come according to your abundant mercy and fill this sanctuary and speak to our hearts. We pray. That you will banish Satan and his angels from having any access. That you'll hide me behind the cross. That you'll take the message that you put in my mind and that you'll individually apply it to each person here. And may we leave with a
2: deeper appreciation and understanding of your love and your calling in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. If you aren't, take your Bible and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15 if you're there, if you'd say amen. Notice what it
1: says. Let's read it together aloud. It's pretty short reading together. You shall not steal. You shall not steal right there. Now, someone may say, pastor, this is going to be a very simple and easy sermon because I have never stolen anything in my life. Or if I did, it was a long time ago and that was very far in the past. Well, church, That may be true. You may not have walked into a store and stolen anything. Now, there may be someone here that says, I have, Pastor. And by the grace of God, you can confess that sin and Jesus can not only forgive, but what can He do, church? He can cleanse us from how much of unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So you may have stolen and Jesus is in the business of restoring people. But what we've seen in these commandments is that we are too superficial if we stop with just the action. God is... Worried about what? My heart. What's going on inside my mind? What are the other areas of our lives that can be changed? And so what I want to look at today, and I'll be honest, this is another one of those sermons that's been a little difficult to write. Maybe the better word to say is a little difficult to preach. Because what I want to look at today is is an area of our lives that is very personal It's not one that we like people messing around in. It's one that the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your your heart is. You know where
2: I'm going. God cares about your heart. He cares about what your heart is set on.
1: And a lot of times, what we own... And more specifically, the things that go through, and in the U.S., it's called the dollar, that goes through our bank account matters to God. I want to tell you a story as we move into this topic here. Then we'll move into several points, and then I think you'll start seeing it tie together. My grandparents, Amy and Elwood Sherrard, my grandma's actually still alive. She's 103, and she's probably watching on the live stream right now. Hi, Grandma. Good to see you an amazing woman. She and my grandfather were missionaries in the Far Eastern Division for a number of years. My mom grew up in the Far Eastern Division as a missionary's kid. But early on, before they headed over as missionaries, they uh, got married as a young couple and they were both convicted on the importance of giving faithful tithe and offering to God. And so they made a commitment, even though they were making very little, they were not making very much money as a young couple and newlyweds starting off. They made a commitment, we're going to put aside the 10%. Then they went farther than that and they said, let's make sure we also, we want to not just give God what he says that belongs to me, but we want to show our gratitude by giving another 5%. And so they did. And then they felt convicted and this is not for everybody, but they felt convicted. And I want to share this story, not saying that this is what everyone should do, but what God can do when we make a commitment to sacrifice for him. They said, let's Every year that God gives us in marriage, let's give one more percent to his work. Now, they were on missionary salaries for most of their career or their life. They were on missionary salaries. Missionaries, by the way, don't make very much money in case you were wondering. They wondered how they could do it, but they said, well, we're going to give one percent more every year because we want to see God's work go forward and we want to be a part of every penny he's given us. We want to be able to give to the work so that Jesus has the funds to get and to hasten his coming. So every year they gave one more percent. And what they noticed is they were very, very frugal. My grandparents were very careful. In fact, I remember my mom was like this as well. They would even make sure that, and I'm not saying everyone should do this, but they would even make sure how much toothpaste you put on your toothbrush because that could save a few extra pennies that they could give to the Lord's work. My grandfather, maybe this is too much information, my grandfather would count how many squares of toilet paper because
2: every penny saved on toilet paper was something they could give to the Lord's work.
1: It's a whole different mindset than the way we live today. They were very careful. And it was amazing. My grandma would be careful how often she went to the hairdressers. In fact, she wouldn't go as often as some of the others because every penny she could save. And it wasn't that they lived where they were uncomfortable. It was amazing. My grandfather would tell how they, he would go and check the bank account. And he knew how much had come in. And he knew how much they needed to have go out. And somehow, even though those numbers didn't line up, they always had enough funds in the bank to pay what they needed. What do you say, church? God took care of them. Now, they didn't do it so that they would have more money. They did it because they wanted to be a part of hastening the work forward.
2: The question they would ask is, is it
1: possible to outgive God? And I can tell you. Because God blessed them all the way up. They were married over 50 years. I don't remember the exact amount. And you can do the math. That's quite a bit of their income that they're
2: now giving away and they have never lacked for
1: anything. Today, my grandmother is taken care of in my parents' home, and she doesn't need or lack anything. When my grandfather passed away, my mom was amazed at the letters that started coming in from the missionaries that he had been supporting. And she couldn't believe how much he was giving to move God's work forward a different mindset than we have today. I want to start with this incredibly important principle. When God asks us to do something, it's not because He's being selfish, it's because He wants to give us blessings in return. Now someone may say, Pastor, be careful, let's not get into the prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. The blessings may not be a lot of money or a nice car, because frankly, that would hurt me, not bless me. Are you with me? But there are spiritual blessings that God is just waiting to pour out on His people. But we are so worried about making sure that we take care of ourselves that sometimes we get focused on this and we start thinking it's my problem instead of being whose problem. Take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew. I want you to see Christ brings this out.
2: Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25, you're
1: there if you'd say amen. I hear some pages turning. I'll give you a little bit more time. This is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, contained in three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that powerful sermon Christ gives there as he's articulating the essence of the gospel. Matthew chapter 6, therefore I say to you, do not, what's that next word there, church? Worry about what? Your life. And then in case you miss it, he says, what you will, what's that word there? eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than what, church? Look at the birds of the air. When was the last time you saw a bird
2: checking his bank account and all concerned? Does God take care of the plants and animals around us?
1: For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And then for those of us who feel short, he says, which of you worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about your closing? Verse 28, continue following along. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will He not much more,
2: what's it say, clothe you, O you of little faith? Does God care about you?
1: I know that sounds like a rhetorical question, but just stop. We know the answer is yes or amen. But I want you to do an emotional check. Do you believe that God cares about you? Sometimes we worry about whether he really is interested or invested in our lives. But I want to tell you, Jesus says here, God will take care of us. Now, someone may say, okay, pastor, that's great. And he does. But how do I know that he does? Well, God gives us a test about how we can know that God
2: cares for us. Go with me to Malachi that last book
1: of the Old Testament, if you go to Matthew and you go back one book, that's honestly the easiest way to find it. We all know where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is, so if you land in Matthew and you just go back through the little division that says New Testament and back into Malachi, we're going to Malachi chapter 3. Now, what we're going to start is verse 8, and verse 8 lays out why we're looking at this topic in the context of thou shalt not steal. We're going to come back and spend some time on verse 8, but we're going to read down to verse 10 and 11, and I want you to see the promise of God that comes through. Are you there in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, church? Now, notice what it says. We'll come back to verse 8. I'm going to read it now, but we'll come back and spend some time on it later. Will a man rob God? Yet, Yet you, you have, have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? What does the Bible say? In what? Tithes and offerings. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, verse 10. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food. Where? In my house. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not... Read it with me aloud. Open... For you, the windows reading together of heaven, and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do you want God's blessings poured out in your life? I know I do, and I know you do too. And the promise is that if we will put all of our needs into the hands of God and we say, God, I give you this and I will return to you what is not only yours, but I will also return to you my thanksgiving offerings as well and my praise offerings. God says, I will pour out on you a blessing like you have never received before. Now, some people have taken this and they've said, okay, so if I give all my money, then God's going to give me a nice house and a nice property and a nice place and a nice job and all of those things. And church, that's not what the Bible is talking about here. Now, he might, But the promise is that the blessings of God will be poured out in your life. And the greatest blessing God can give is the outpouring of His Spirit into the Christian's life. We need the Holy Spirit. If we're going to take this work that God has given us and take the gospel to this city and get out of this mess of a world, we need the Holy Spirit to get there. And the only way that'll happen is when
2: people give everything. Why does God care about the tithe? There's a fascinating story found in the book
1: of Genesis. It seems to break down why God cares so much about tithe. If you go to Genesis chapter 28, right there at the beginning of your Bible, you'll find this story. Let me give you a little background to what we're going to read. Well, you're turning there to Genesis chapter 28, right there at the beginning of your Bible, first book, Genesis chapter 28. Jacob is fleeing for his life. I don't know how many of you have been in a situation where you feared for your life, and you've had to move as rapidly as possible because your life was in danger, but that's what Jacob has gone through and is feeling. He's had to leave everything that matters to him the mother and the father that he loves, the land that he's grown up in, the people that he cares about. He has left it all because of his own mistake. And he is fleeing for his life to extended family. And he arrives in a place called Bethel. Genesis chapter 28, we're going down to verse 10 and onwards. I'll summarize the story. The story is told in 10 and onwards. And as he arrives in Bethel... It's late, he's tired, he's been alone, he feels alone, he's crushed emotionally. Patriarchs and Prophets describing the story talks about how he is just emotionally shattered. And he lies down and he finds the most comfortable thing he can find to lay his head on, and that's a rock. I don't know about you, but that does not sound comfortable on the hard ground. He fitfully falls to sleep. And as he's resting... The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, his fathers, comes down and meets His broken man where He is. Does God care about us when we're broken? I don't know what your week has been, or month or year or years has been. but there may be someone listening here this morning, and you have gone through a lot of brokenness. You've made mistakes. You wish things had gone differently. You You may have lost family through what you've done. You may have lost friends through the experiences you've gone through. And like Jacob, this young man, you are shattered and broken. And this morning, no one may know it, but you are feeling like you are wandering alone. The promise is that God will meet you where you are. And the place, if you will turn to Him in that moment, the place can be a direct connection between heaven and earth. The Lord, verse 13, stood above it. There's a ladder that descends in the dream, verse 12. And touches earth and heaven. And he sees angels of God ascending and descending. Verse 13, and the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God, God of, of Isaac. The land at which you lie, I will give to you, and also your descendants shall be as dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, and the south. and you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will, what's that next word there, church? Keep you, how far? Wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. It's amazing. Here's Jacob. This isn't the sermon point, but I just want to point on this because it's so powerful. Here's, Here's Jacob. Everything that he cares about has been cut off and he can't see any future. And God comes to him and he says, I'm promising you that there is a better day coming. And I will be with you and I will support you and I will strengthen you. As you trust in me, I will take care of you. And church, if you are here this morning and you are feeling broken and afraid or whatever it is that you may be, the God of the universe who gave His Son for you wants to reach down through the brokenness and tell you there is a future for your life. And He will take you from wherever you are and He will lift you up and he will create in you that future and that hope and that life that you cannot even comprehend right now because he is the God who can do the impossible. What an incredible
2: God we serve. Verse 16.
1: Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. and I did, I did not, not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven.
2: What does this have to do with tithe?
1: Well, why do we tithe? Go down and read verse 22. Jacob sets up a pillar. He gets it all set up. And now notice verse 22. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you, he's talking to God, gave me, I will surely give you a what? A tenth to you. Why did Jacob give a tenth? What's a tenth, by the way? Just so we all know we're talking about the same thing. What's a tenth? A tithe. Tithe, tenth. Tenth, tithe. Are you with me? So he's giving a tithe. Why did Jacob give a tithe? Because he was acknowledging the reality that everything he has is God's. The
2: Christian returns a tithe because
1: everything I have is God's, and God doesn't take it all back. He could, he doesn't. He says, "What I require is ten percent." That's what Malachi talks about. He says, "Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me." And you say, "In what way have you robbed me?" You remember, we saw this in verse eight of Malachi chapter three. You've robbed me by holding back the tithes and the offering. The commandment we're meditating on this morning is thou shalt not steal. I think you all are following the point. This is a hard sermon to talk about because we don't like our finances touched on, but church, it's also an easy one because I want to see God's blessing poured out in your life. And what God is looking for is a people, what God demands, but it's from a heart of love is a people who will look at the finances that come in and they will take 10% and they'll say, God, this 10%, it belongs not to me, but to you. And I will return that tithe. Now, someone might be sitting here and they say, okay, so how do I do this, Pastor? It's very simple. If you have a tithe, an offering envelope, you may have one right in front of you there. You'll see that there's a section that says 10% tithe. You fill in there the income that you have. You just take 10% of that. And that goes directly to God's work. And that tithe actually doesn't stay here at the local church. This tithe goes to the conference and it moves God's work forward through the ministers of this conference. It moves that work forward. And that tithe that you give, God will use to bless the work here in this conference. And it doesn't just stay in this conference. A percentage of it goes to the union. And a percentage of it goes to the general conference. And that 10% is blessed by God, and is moving the work forward so that Jesus can come back and take His people home. But pastor, you
2: don't understand. I don't have enough money.
1: You know, I don't know that God thought about that. I'm being sarcastic, please. God knows your finances, church. He knows where you've struggled. And I know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. In fact, go with me and look at this incredible promise if you would. Psalms chapter 50 and verse 10. I want you to see what God says. Psalms chapter 50 and verse 10. And when you're there, if you would say amen. Psalms chapter 50, right there in the middle of your Bibles. Let's look at what the Word of God says. We're promised there in Malachi that God will pour out a blessing in your life. We're promised elsewhere that God will give what is needed. Psalms chapter 50 and verse 10. Notice what it says when you're there, if you'd say, "Amen. For every beast of the forest is what? Who's speaking here? God's speaking. He's saying, everything is mine, and the cattle on how many hills? a thousand hills. Do you think God has any trouble taking care of his children? We've read that in Matthew chapter six. Don't worry about it. He'll take care of you now. That does not mean we shouldn't be frugal. My grandparents were very frugal, were they not? They were very careful. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do our part, but part of doing our part is saying, God, this 10%, this belongs to You, and I will give it to You, and I will trust You to take care of every need that I have. Now notice it's not every want that I have, it's every what, church? Need. God will take care of you. Whatever you may be facing, whatever difficulty you may be in, As you take the tithe and you give it to God and you say, Lord, I'm not going to hold back, I'm going to give it all, then you will. Now someone else may say, okay, pastor, that's interesting, but how much do I have to give in tithe? Do I give from my net or from my gross? Well, church, everything that comes in to my bank account directly from my employer, the gross is what I give 10% on. You can look in Leviticus, there's several different passages to look at Leviticus. You look in Deuteronomy as well, you'll see that very clearly it was the gross of the income that the individual was to pay their title. It's very simple. As the money comes in, you say, well, I don't own this. This is God's. 10% goes right over to Him. Now, what about offering? Where does offering fit in? Because Malachi talks about not just tithes, but also offering. Where does the offering fit in? Well, the offering is the gratitude for how God has blessed you. Has Jesus blessed you? That's where we start saying, I'm going to start investing more of my heart into Jesus and his work. We Start taking the offering and we give more. That's anything above 10%. That's the offering. And that can go towards all types of different ministries. You have our budget offering that keeps this church running. You have the evangelism that can be a line item. The school is a line item. These are things that out of gratitude, we give back to God and we watch what He does as He moves this forward. Church, everything we have is God's. I want to touch on one thing as we close. Someone may say, okay, pastor, we got the point. I just need to pay and then I'm good. Remember, we started with the question, what does God care about?
2: What we have or what's going on where? It's not just the money God's after.
1: He's after you. And it's not just money that we give to the work so that others do the work. I came across a very powerful quote from Spirit of Prophecy where she articulates that we don't just have a tithe of our finances. But God also wants a tithe of our time to do work for Him. Listen to this. But how few of us regard the salvation of sinners in the light in which it is viewed by the heavenly universe. As a plan devised from eternity in the mind of God, how few of us are working with the Redeemer in the solemn closing work. There is scarcely, now notice these next two words, there is scarcely a tithe of the compassion that there should be for the souls of those who are unsaved. There are so many to be warned and yet how few sympathize with God sufficiently to do anything or to be anything that can save souls for Christ. God wants not just your money, but don't think that if you give your money then you can let other people do the work. No, God wants to pour out a blessing in you. He not only wants this, but He wants your heart invested in the work of saving souls. Church, Jesus wants you to work with Him to save souls for Him. What do you say? It's time for the appeal.
2: You may be sitting here today and maybe you've never heard anything on
1: tithe. Maybe you have heard a message before on tithe. You've started drifting a little bit in tithe. I remember there was a period in my life where I was in quite a bit of transition. and Not intentionally, but I got behind on tithe. And I heard a sermon on tithe, and I realized, wow, I don't know that my tithe I'm up to date on. And I went home and I realized that I was about four months behind on tithe. When you get behind, it can be pretty hard to catch up. So the first thing I did is I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, please forgive me for stealing from you. Because I don't own that money. It's his. And you know what? Jesus forgave me. What do you say? And then I said, Lord, help me put together a plan to catch up on my tie." And he did. And he guided me out, and I put together a couple-month payment plan to get caught up so that I would be up to date as quickly as possible. Because I didn't have the funds to pay it all right away. I would have if I could have. And God helped me to get caught up, and he blessed me for doing it. And I actually was able to get ahead and pay it off more quickly than I thought I could. And God good, so you may be sitting here, and you may have realizing, "Wow, I'm behind. I haven't been paying a full tithe. I've only been paying a little bit." Or, God is gracious; He will forgive. But now He calls all men to repentance, and today's the day to make it right. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. He's calling for your tithes, and He's calling for your offering. He's calling for your heart. He's calling for your time. He's calling for mine. Will you let the Lord have what's His? Will you trust Him with the difficulties you're facing in your financial life? Will you allow Him to pour out His blessings in response to your faithfulness? If it's your desire to say, Lord, by Your grace, I commit this morning to return a faithful tithe of everything that you've given me. That's your commitment today. Would you indicate that to the Lord in prayer right now as I pray for you? Heavenly Father, We don't want to steal from you anymore. We want to have your blessings in our lives. Oh, I pray that you will forgive us for when we have, you remove from our lives sin and its hold the fear that some may have this morning, I ask that you will speak peace. In the next few moments, Father, there are going to be people here who are going to be making commitments in the area of tithe. And I ask that you will move upon them and that you'll speak to each heart here and that those commitments may be sealed by your spirit. You can make those commitments now in your mind. Father in heaven, you've heard those commitments. You know those decisions. Thank you for the victories that have been won this morning in this room. Seal it with your grace. and Carry us forward in your power. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: been listening to Phil Mills, pastor of Lansing Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you enjoyed this sermon, why not visit his church this coming Sabbath or a church near you listed on strongtowerradio.org. You will find the church at 5400 West St. Joe Highway in Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 1050 a.m. Access their website at lansingadventist.org. This program has been a Strong Tower Radio production.